Hello, Ethernauts. Welcome to Ether Talk, the show where we talk about what just happened on Ethernautica. This is our chance to discuss our thoughts and theories on what is actually going on in the Ethernautica world. I'm your host, Kelly. You may know me as Rose Worthington from the show. Today, I have with me repeat guest, Stephen. Hi. Hi, Stephen. Welcome back to the show. <laughs> Thank you. So you're definitely not John, is what I understood from the last episode. Nope. Not even might be. <laughs> not even a little bit. Your last time on either talk was number nine, episode nine. We were talking again about Marble Towers, and mm -hmm. now you're back for Marble Towers Revisited. So this actually works really well. It's amazing. During the time between our last talk and this talk, we had a short interlude and we visited uh, a new cast of people on Martian Abbey. What did you think about the Martian Abbey one shot? I really liked it. It was, uh, I particularly liked your cook character because it was, uh, I, I liked the idea of a, sort of this normal person being dragged along by these sort of adventurers types. And <laughs> you're just like, I I've got a tray. I've still <laughs> got a tray. Would somebody like some food, please? <laughs> that was a lot of fun to play. But it was sort of like uh, an interesting slice of life. I was almost disappointed when an actual adventure started, but only almost <laughs> disappointed. And uh, yeah, I'm never sure if these one-offs... Uh, I used to think that these one-offs would somehow just be little isolated bubbles and not connect, but they always do. And uh, so, yes, I loved it, is the short answer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's fun because I didn't realize how it was going to connect until... <laughs> like the very end of that session when we're like, oh shoot, there's the train. Yeah. Oh man, we're on IO. <laughs> yes, and I remember actually listening to that running around in Dublin at a science fiction convention. Awesome. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> so yeah, my visuals are a little bit different than my normal for these kinds of things. <laughs> All right. This episode that we're talking about today is Marble Towers Revisited. Do you have any thoughts you want to share between your last visit and, and this episode before we dive into this specific episode? Well, as I think I told you off air, I'm a little bit confused on this one. Not because I'm not liking this, but because the sheer awesomeness of the horse with knife stuff in the oh past couple of episodes kind of wiped the rest of the episode from my brain. <laughs> so even going back and, and listening to it again, I still kept on getting distracted by the horse with knife stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm still on board, but... Um, as far as I could tell, this is, you know, so we're starting out just after everything blew up and now there's there was a lot of cat shenanigans. Yes. And Marty, the policeman, keeps on pointing his gun at animals for some <laughs> right. reason. He seems a little jumpy. <laughs> yes. Then uh, they went to, I guess, the main house and mm -hmm. there were light surges and blue translucent figures and an ether distortion field, which is science fiction dialogue if I've ever heard it. Yep. And uh, voices from the void, and uh, Mike botched and got some detonite, detonite out of nowhere. <laughs> exactly. And so, yeah, it was um, a whole lot of explosions. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, mostly my predictions are I'm looking forward to the time when I understand what's happening again. I'm hoping the next episode will kind of bring everything back in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not that I'm minding. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Let's start with Felix Lee. The The player had not been available to record with us, which is why we had done some one shots and why Felix Lee had popped out of existence during the fight at the um, Marble Towers. Right. He was in the outhouse the whole time, right? Right. Yeah. What did you think about Felix Lee's return? I thought it was great. <laughs> I, I thought that uh, 
Uh, of course, the the fact that his gun had still shot a bird during during this whole thing was was still awesome. Mm-hmm. And yes, uh, I also liked uh, Daisuke uh, narrating to the horse that he was shitting. <laughs> Particular favorite moment of mine. I particularly liked the narration in the outtakes about their hugging. <laughs> yes. Well, the hug fights are always going to be a highlight. You know, and I forget, was that part of the, the previous episode I was on? Is this all, you know, is, is, is this all a carefully structured narrative? Does it rhyme? No, this is just um, stylus refusing to let things go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was actually the impression that I got. But yeah, so yeah, Felix Lee comes back and they return to the main house, which is a giant bloody mess. <laughs> now, was it that way when they left it? No. Okay, so this is all more craziness. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, uh, yes, yeah, so that was a, a question that I'd had. When I re-listened to the previous episode, uh, we get that um, sequence where the, the, the main sheriff the mm-hmm. goes down into the basement, and there's a glowing sarcophagus and a crate of dynamite. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's sort of at that point revealed that he's a Yithian agent. Mm-hmm. And so we assume that he used the dynamite to blow everything up. Mm -hmm. Do we know what that glowing sarcophagus was? Not yet. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Just making sure that it isn't just me that doesn't know that. No, it's a looming, ominous portent of of doom that has not been explained yet. Okay. Excellent. (laughs) Doom! Doom! Cool. Uh, Yes. So we get back to the main house. Right. And then, of course, cat shenanigans. Mm-hmm. A, a cat that uh, Rose recognizes appears, and you call out Chappie. Mm-hmm. And now, I didn't remember where the name Chappie fit into all of this, although I discovered to my surprise that wasn't that the sheriff's... I mean, the sheriff was named Chapman. Chapman. Right. Yes. This goes back to season one, mm-hmm. when Rose is in the Yithian library. Right. And she meets another Yithian who has a cat friend, and that Yithian's name is Chappie. Probably the same guy. It's almost <laughs> like it's some sort of cohesive story or something. <laughs> almost. Almost. So yes, lots of cat-based shenanigans and pointing guns at animals again. And then Jameson finds an ether distortion field. Mm-hmm. And then we have, I guess, these uh, glowing figures. And that gets back to uh, the previous prediction that I had had about what Beauregard is. Mm. I thought that he was somehow related to Martian technology and that he was uh, some kind of technological or, you know, some kind of thing that was being uh, controlled or chained up. And I'm starting to lean more towards that he's basically some kind of device, you know, Mm. obviously powered by something in the basement. But uh, we still don't have the whole story on him. He's Nope probably not some kind of like captured demon-like thing like I was, <laughs> I was thinking before but he is obviously artificial yes so i'll give myself like half a point for <laughs> prediction but i don't actually know the answer yet so it's a, a predictive half of a point for a future prediction which is awesome <laughs> so jameson and daisuke and the officer in their house explorations came across gregory and and his entourage right they are still alive rose doesn't know this yet but they are still alive Mm -hmm. and while they are continuing to make their way towards the basement they run back into zola right 
who still has the elephant gun, I guess. Still has the elephant gun and right. a cat. And a cat. Well, I mean, that's kind of just what you have these uh, in this <laughs> thing. You go around with an elephant gun and a cat. Right. Uh, so, uh, yes, Zola hands off the elephant gun saying that she can't shoot it because uh, she's from a lighter gravity. Mm-hmm. And then there's gun-based shenanigans. <laughs> yeah. And uh, then, let's see, I believe we end with Rose Spots a Martian that mm-hmm. is phasing into existence like on top of a coffee table or overlapping with a coffee table. Yeah. And it starts to point its musket at them. And mm-hmm. then I think that's where the episode ends. That is exactly where the episode ends. It right. was cliffhangery enough that I was like, okay, here's a good stopping point <laughs> so that we have enough for our next episode. Oh, okay. So do you then give a hand signal and then he says, uh, and that's where I think I'm going to call it? Um, No, we recorded this entire bit. I just chose that that's where I stopped editing and handed it all over to a deadline. Oh, okay. <laughs> Because there is, there is a line at the end, and that's where I'm going to call it. So that may have been, been just har- harvested from a previous episode. Yes, that's the the way to wrap everything up. Because we record in three to four hour chunks. Sure. And so we, we don't really know exactly a lot of the time where we're going to cut episodes until we start editing them. So, and that's where I'm going to call it might sound suspiciously the same from episode to episode is what you're telling me? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I think there's maybe a couple of times where Denline knew he wanted to end at an episode at a particular place, but that is often not the case. Got it. So I had some questions for you. Ha ha. We're going to turn oh, this interview no. around. First of all, is Rose a bullet magnet? It feels like it, doesn't it? It sure does. She also hired a bodyguard who only uses knives. So <laughs> that seemed like poor foresight. Though now she's got Felix Lee. She has two bodyguards and yet they avoid preventing her from getting shot. Yeah. Um, do you have any new or revised predictions? Uh, yeah, let's see. I'm getting worse and worse at actually predicting this show. <laughs> I mean, more time travel bullshit. That's just an obvious thing. Mm-hmm. But then time travel bullshit is my favoritist bullshit. So that's great. <laughs> Aside from that, uh, obviously, we're going to find out that uh, all of these you know, apparitions are somehow being projected by this apparatus that's down in the basement. Hmm. And um, we're going to, uh, I still think that this is, you know, this is obviously tied into Martian technology somehow. And um, uh, it's some kind of, you know, holodeck type of deal that um, our doctor Clyde Jameson is uh, modifying and, uh, I suspect that maybe he is responsible for the personality of Beauregard. He's able to mm. sort of customize, but he's not able to actually build his own device. And mm. um, so, I don't know. Who knows? And something like that is happening. And uh, then, of course, in the next episode, they're all going to wind up on the moon. Oh, okay. We're going to go straight from... Um the estate to the moon. All right. What about her mom's dinner party? Also going to take place on the moon. <laughs> it's a whole thing. Yeah, I believe that one. That's a good one. Yes, but I, I think that what I would like to make predictions about is more about some of the, the fan community stuff that's going to happen. Oh. Um, uh, I think that uh, we're going to see more fanfic that involves Moonshadow. Oh, no. Uh, especially Moonshadow with a knife. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, you know, I guess the question is, what uh, what sort of buddy comedy fanfic do we expect to see? Mm-hmm. 
you know, I, I think Moonshadow and uh, Harry Potter need to go on an adventure, for example. That would be an interesting one. Uh, I suppose, yes. <laughs> I don't know. I'm coming up with this as quickly as I can. <laughs> That's fine. Let's take a moment because we kind of skimmed over it. Did you have any favorite moments of this episode? Well, my favorite moments are always sort of the goofiest ones. So, you know, <laughs> just in the beginning, just the silliness when everybody was suddenly named John. <laughs> Wait a minute. Okay. Uh, no, I finally get it. It's all a Buckaroo Banzai reference. <laughs> I always like the hug battles. I love the awareness botch mechanic. I'm going to steal that and <laughs> um, make other GMs use that in their games. There you go. I liked uh, Jameson referring to his squishy science body. <laughs> and uh, anytime that there's a novelty outtake, then I'm going to love it because, uh, and so there was a particularly creepy one this time. Well, it wasn't creepy. It was adorable, but uh, <laughs> novelty sort of, you know, trying Zola on and, uh, you know, getting into character and then pretending that she's possessing Zola, which sort of added this interesting, uh, creepy vibe to the end of it, which for all mm. I know was carefully scripted and is all part of the plot. <laughs> foreshadow that is actually something that we talked about in the discord actually in the spoiler chat was how deadline didn't script that that right. was just her warming up mm -hmm. but it was it, it was that type of weird creepy that he put it in <laughs> yeah exactly no i thought it was great i seriously thought it had been scripted <laughs> <laughs> yes oh and uh by the way if it hasn't been made clear um remember how you were saying that um you were feeling bad because you hadn't picked up that uh, Chapman was actually Chappie the Yithian? Mm-hmm. Um, well, quite obviously, I made it through that entire episode, even hearing the extra bits that he had put in, completely <laughs> oblivious. Oh, and then there's a cat scene with a cat. Oh, he's holding a crystal. Gosh, I wonder what's happening. <laughs> so I I'm not sure if that should make you feel better or not, but um, at least you've got company. Yay, thank you. And uh, yeah, that I think is uh, all I have for my favorite moments. Okay. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we wrap this up? Yeah. Well, I wanted to ask you about your <laughs> editing process. I will try my best to answer. So uh, when I've tried to edit podcasts in the past, my problem is I get very perfectionist about things. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to figure out, should I work really hard to salvage this sentence, which has some good words in it, but is corrupted by ums? Or do I, you know, slice this whole segment and move on to something else? How do you avoid getting bogged down when you're sort of starting out an editing session? I don't, I don't know how it's, okay, I do know because I do do a talk show. I do freaking Ether Talk. Mm -hmm. So there's a difference between Ether Talk and Ethernautica for me. In Ethernautica, if the sentence is important for the continuation of the story, if cutting it will make it lose any type of continuity i will work that thing to death or make mm. someone re-record it right <laughs> <laughs> normally though I've, I've actually had a lot of fun splicing things down and cutting out extra ums and wait how would this work and oh right. i said the wrong word mm -hmm. and making it one flowing sentence that i'm hoping nobody can tell that i like cut into it like that <laughs> It is amazing what one can do with audio software. Right. And then with EtherTalk, if I can't salvage it, I will just cut entire things, right. which isn't too bad because I do try to keep these episodes kind of minimalistic. Mm -hmm. So I've had entire conversations 
And maybe this one will be one of them where (laughs) I've just gotten rid of all of it. I'm like, well, that was a fun conversation to have, but I'm already at like 25 minutes and I still have more to go through. So goodbye. (laughs) Yes, but I will use this part in my new podcast, Ether Talk Talk, the podcast (laughs) about Ether Talk. There's been a couple of times where something was just particularly funny or especially out of context. And I have added them to the end. Mm -hmm. But yeah, most of the time I don't have people re-record lines for ether talk right i i did a few because my computer is on the verge of biting the dust (laughs) and i had one recording session last time where my audio just was not good for a little bit and then my computer hiccuped and then it was fine so there was a couple of lines in that one that i re-recorded or else i wouldn't have the question (laughs) right but most of the time for Ethernautica. If it's important to the story, I will edit it within an inch of its life or make somebody re-record it. If it's like stylus just goofing around <laughs> and it is just word salad, I won't bother. <laughs> Excellent. And is there anything that you've learned in the process of doing audio editing that uh, you would like to pass on to future audio editors? Well, for me, it wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be. Like in my head, this was going to be some sort of monumental task and that I wasn't going to be able to do it. But then once I sat down and just learned like the basic button clicks that I needed to know to, to make it do what I wanted it to do, I found it wasn't that bad. I actually really enjoyed it. I have a degree in creative writing. <laughs> I work with authors. I do editing as part of my work. Mm-hmm. And I found that editing audio was very similar. Right. Especially those ones where you've got the ums and the uhs or the wondering conversations that finally get back to the point that (laughs) editing all that down to a cohesive narrative was not as hard as I thought it was going to be and was actually really satisfying. Excellent. Okay. Uh, Well, this has been Ether Talk Talk. (laughs) So back to you. Back to me. Well, if there's nothing else that you want to say about Marble Towers Revisited or what you want to see next... Nothing coherent that comes to mind. Well, I think this is a good place to end our discussion today. Thank you all for joining me today. I hope you have enjoyed it. Once again, I'm Kelly, and you can find me on Twitter at MightBeKelly. Thank you for taking the time to talk with me today, Stephen. Where can our listeners find you? Uh, You can find me at T-Rage Podcast, a podcast that's going to have new episodes starting next month, for real this time. Yay! Thank you, Ethernauts, for listening. If you'd like to be on an episode of Ether Talk, you can contact us via Twitter or on our website, ethernauticapodcast.com. Until next time. Bye.